You're listening to episode 53 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my Frankenkale began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise... Kale's back. Kale's back. Oh yes, he's back! <laughs> my Frankenkale oh, yeah, is back. back! He is a sight for sore eyes. That sounds sexual. That sounds... That song's very sexual. Have you heard the Monster Mash? The thing that got me was uh, his Frankenkale began to rise. You're right. <laughs> Ooh. Phil, is that what you call your dick? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, only on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so on Halloween, your dick dresses up as Kale as Frankenstein is what you're telling me. You know how often my dick will, like, as I'm just walking, like, uh, uh, shut up for a second. Only on Halloween. Halloween's the only time you can get it up. The way that I like to start my Saturdays is definitely not by talking about Phil's penis. So <laughs> it was a graveyard fright. <laughs> that is frightening. Uh, well, Kale's back. Uh, he's not back from his excursion across the planet. Uh, he does live elsewhere now. One thing I've noticed is that 11 a.m. is a lot darker than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> you do live in Mordor. <laughs> That's true. It's oh. always dark in Mordor. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, it's been it's been a time without you. It's been a while. It's been a minute. But it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been. Uh, no Marco. No Marco today. Too spooky for this episode. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to scare the little lad. <laughs> we'll figure out how to carry on um, without him. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> we could do, I could go back to watching Stranger Things. Oh my god! So good! I'm going to spoil that for the listeners at home, okay? I watched all uh, eight episodes in a row when it came out. Listen, the last moment is Journeys Don't Stop Believing and it cuts to black. Man, that's a reference that was played out like ten years ago. And the worst part about it is that he made the same joke on Facebook and it feels like ten years ago. <laughs> If this is the kind of uh, riveting banter that you enjoy, uh, there are many places where you can find more stuff like this. Although at this point, I don't even know why you're listening to me, let alone why you would follow me or any of us anywhere. But if you choose to, uh, we are on iTunes. Uh, We're a five-star rated podcast. Not sure why, Um, but you could add to that just to feed our egos. Um, We're also you know if you wanted, yeah. All other podcast hosting platforms. We're not any better on any of those. Um, <laughs> we're also on social media at the Comics Pals. We're okay on there. Uh, wherever your social media is sold, you can find us and uh, read the stuff that we post. Um, you can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com and you can talk to us about Halloween. Um, we can we can actually comfort you through this Halloween. It's going to be very spooky, I hear. Um, so if you need some words of encouragement, we can provide them for you, possibly. Uh, only if Phil wants to, because I won't. I can always provide the Frank and Kale. Oh no, that's stop. <laughs> and uh, last but certainly not least, we're on YouTube. We've got a ton, ton, ton of stuff going on on there, uh, including. All of our New York Comic Con interviews, uh, they're all great, so you should check that stuff out. Um, 
we got some good stuff from the creators this year, and uh, I would say it's absolutely worth your while. So check that out. A um, lot of a uh, lot of pals plays out there. So if you're hungry to watch uh, nerdy people play games, then choose pals plays because it's better than all the other let's plays in the world. Because it's not a let's play; it's a pals play. Oh damn! You're setting the bar real high there. It's a pretty good show, but I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, let's, you, I mean you're playing Shovel Knight, so that's true. It's not all bad. The games we're picking are immaculate because I picked them. That's yeah. He's setting the bar low for his own show. <laughs> he, right. he set the bar low by saying that I was setting the bar low, but then said it was pretty good, and then said the game choices are immaculate. So I'm not really sure. It, it, that's out somewhere in the. It's pretty good there. I don't know. I don't know. Now good. Good to be back on an episode of the Comics Pals. I know, right? Um, I'm looking to take about two months off too, so <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe uh, one of you guys can hold down the fort. Uh, this Look, is I've one been of those- trying. I've been trying to host an episode for a year. Like, who knew? <laughs> uh, this is one of those endeavors that gets better when you're away from it and you come back. At least that's what I hear. So, um, that, not for me. You didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I've got a I've got a buy or sell for you guys. Is it Halloween oriented? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> these three characters that I'm about to mention are all pretty popular these days, and we're going to talk about at least one of them a little later on in the news. Uh, so I figured we preface this preface the news by asking you guys this question: buy or sell on which of these assassins is your favorite? Actually, not your favorite. Who would you most like to be murdered by? I like that better. Deadpool, that makes it spookier. Yes, very spooky. Deadpool, Deadshot, or Deathstroke? Okay, so I feel like Deathstroke and Deadshot. Uh, you wouldn't have to listen. You wouldn't have to listen to it. Like they just kill you and get it over with. Wait, I had a thought, Sean. Can I tweak your by yourself? No. <laughs> all right go ahead my, my here's my theory is in the event of a zombie invasion which assassin would you want to have your back that's an entirely different no. buy or sell do that shit next week so i don't have to come up with <laughs> oh my God. you're asking who we want to be shot by basically yeah like who would you most like to be killed by um i'm gonna i'm gonna pick dead shot for the basically the reason that Kel outlined is that like I feel like Deadshot would shoot me from real far away and be done with it. Like I would just be yeah, dead. Same. I wouldn't even know about it. That's exactly why I'm also gonna pick Deadshot. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Deathstroke uh, because of the unpredictable nature of my death. He could chop you in half. That's true. Guns, grenades, whatever. Uh, he put a thing in my eye. But the potential of it being painful is higher. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Definitely cooler, though. Yeah. Yeah, but if Deadshot's killing you, there's a reason for it. <laughs> if Deadshot's killing you, Deadshot's a contract killer. So is yeah, yeah, no. So- there's a reason. Somebody paid him. They're all they're all assassins. <laughs> they're all they're all mercenaries. They're all they're all killing you because they want cash. I mean, listen, I'd kill me for cash. That's not. I'd like to know how that would work out. <laughs> Uh, you let me know. Life insurance policy. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy on Deadshot because I like Deadshot. And <laughs> in the event that I don't want to be killed by somebody I like. Right. If I've gotta be murdered by somebody, at least let it be somebody that I like. 
Uh, Deadpool and Deathstroke, they're like the same person. And they're both super annoying. And so uh, I don't like them. So did we all pick Deadshot? No, uh, I killed no. Deathstroke. Yeah. So three and one. No one picked, uh, or two, three and one, yeah. So no one picked uh, Deadpool. No, that would be who the worst, want, dude. Who wants to be killed by Deadpool? Who wants to read Deadpool? I agree with you, actually, but hey. Did you did you make this question just so you could be like, I like Death, <laughs> Deadshot and Deathstroke <laughs> and Deadpool suck? <laughs> uh, no, no. On, I actually I actually do like Deathstroke. Um, I don't like Deadpool. But, you know, he's okay in doses. Let's do some pals pulls. So this week, uh, we've got Archie 25 from Kale, which is uh, a book that came out. Um, and well, actually, a, a, a book that's coming out. Um, I was going to say, aren't none of these books that have come out? Actually, the the next book that I'm about to mention is a book that that has come out. But since Kale lives across the world, um, I don't know. Maybe time is different over there. Maybe it's on its way out over there. I don't know. Um, Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, number one. So this is uh, a spinoff of the Black Hammer series. Um. And I like it. It's got a pretty ridiculous title, uh, as you all know, but, um, I wasn't interested in it until I saw, uh, a trailer of the, of the comic book. And, uh, I'm sure I saw it on Twitter or something. And now I'm super interested in it. Um, I'm a big fan of the Black Hammer series. So, um, I'm really just looking for any excuse to broaden that world. Cool. Uh, I haven't heard of that Black Hammer. Don't know what it is. Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer. Oh, is really? that um? It's uh, so it's um, it's about these superheroes that uh, they're like Golden Age, kind of you know, fifty style superheroes. <clears throat> they get stuck uh, on this farm, uh, and they've been there for like uh, ten years, I think, and they can't leave but none of them can figure out why. So they're trying to make a life on this farm in this little town. Uh, but they're also trying to kind of escape. Yeah, it's really, really good. Highly recommended. Cool. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Um, so from Pete, we've got Paper Girls number 17 and uh, The Walking Dead number 173. Yep, I mean, these are both books I've been singing their praises for a long time, so um, if you're a regular listener, I won't bore you with why I read them, but uh, specifically, if you haven't checked out Paper Girls, um, they've got the Volume 1 hardcover out this week as well, which uh, is a great way to catch up on, I I think it collects the first two arcs, um, so check it out, because uh, it's a great book, Brian K. Vaughn, um, one of my favorite writers, so. Cool. Uh, Phil picked out Batman the Devastator number one. Um, all the, all the Dark Knight Metal tie-ins have been really good. Um, I'm really impressed by them. Um. Is, is this the Cyborg one? Uh, no, I think this is the Doomsday one. Oh. And, uh, I'm really intrigued by that because if you notice, of all the Dark Knights, there is no Superman. The core New 52 Justice League 7. Whereas there's a version of Batman for all the other characters. Uh, so I'm curious what they do with this. Uh, who's writing it? Do you know, I sh- I should have. Oh gosh, is it? I believe it's Peter Tomasi. I, I that think makes so. sense. So Tomasi's been writing Superman. Yeah. 
Um, um, I think I think that's correct. I'll look now. Uh, which of the metal tie-ins has been your favorite so far? Um. Oh shit! Which one's the Wonder Woman one? The Drowned. No, that's Aquaman. Oh, oh, you're right. Oh, I I confused it because it's a, a woman Aquaman. Uh which one? Which one is? Which one is that then? And the Devastator is by Frank Thierry, actually. Oh well, shit! I also I, I was thinking that it was Tomasi because that makes sense, but it's not. Uh, I did really I did really like uh, the Drowned though. I was I was telling you about that two weeks ago. I was really impressed with that. Yeah, uh, you're right when you say that they've all been good, at least uh, in my opinion. So this event in general, DC's been really hitting a, a home run with it. Super impressed all around. Indeed, and we'll talk about that more hopefully at another time. Um, so for me, Batman number 34, I love everything that Tom King has been doing with this series. Um, now that Catwoman has said yes to the proposal... Uh, I'm very interested to see how that's going to sort of change and shape Batman's world. Um, and it's, it's been it's been really good so far. And uh, the other book I chose is Captain America 695. So this is post-Secret Empire. Nick Spencer is no longer on the title. Now we've got Mark Waid and um, Chris Samney that are on this one. And uh, it's really interesting because this is Captain America's sort of apology tour. And the world... The U.S. is still sort of afraid of him, and he's got to go around and, you know, shake hands, kiss babies, apologize a ton, and um, it should be a fun time. So I'm excited for that. See where that goes. It's the Merciless. Batman Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Very good stuff. Uh, So let's move into the news. A lot of happenings, a lot of happenings, especially in the film world. Uh, And the first thing that we're going to talk about is probably the most interesting thing that we've learned this week, which is that Zachary Levy is going to play Shazam. Uh, Well, Billy Batson Shazam in the upcoming film. So I, I had a lot of problems with this when I heard it. Because it was presented to me as Zachary Levi is playing Billy Batson, and that's just obscene. Uh, but if he, if he's, if it's Zachary Levi as Shazam, I'm, I'm down with that. That's that's decent. Well, he's he's both, right? Like he, there aren't they using uh, de aging technology to have? Oh, are they? Oh, I hope not. I I, I feel like I read that somewhere. Oh, I hope that's not true. It's a, yeah. It says here that he was cast as Shazam. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm. That's interesting. I don't. Do you think he's playing Billy as well? Does it say that in the news? Because don't you think they'd have a kid play Billy? The- See, that's the that's the thing. The original the original posting I saw. I think it was on uh, Pal of the Show. Tyler Olson's Facebook was that uh, he was cast as Billy Bats. Comicbook.com reports it as him being cast as Billy Batson, a.k.a. Shazam. Huh. There's probably both. That's yeah. that's so weird, though. Do you really think he's going to be... Like, do you really think Billy's going to be a, like a 30-something-year-old man? No. Like I, like I say, I think they may be using the aging technology. To make him look right. young? Yeah. It's a, bad move. it's a bad move. That seems weird. I don't know. Like... I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll have to see, right? Like they need to ride this uh, Stranger Things fame 
and uh, get that Finn Wolfhard kid. Dude, I would be so down for that. No, 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 it should be Will, the other one. Fine, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, that'd be good too. Make it, I make it, uh, Caleb McLaughlin. Like, that's fine too. Like, yeah. There's even some subtext there that would be really good. And then it grows up to be John Cena. <laughs> See, now I don't, I don't have a problem with Zachary Levi. I think he does have like a, uh, kind of a young childish, you know, it's got a boyish kind of, charm to him. Yeah, but that's a good, a great way to put it, boyish charm. Um, so I think I think that'll work well. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's a bad choice for Shazam. Yeah, he's not who I would have picked, but yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see it working out, especially like you know, seeing Chris Pratt be able to go from like chubby goofball to like you know superhero. Same thing with like um oh my god. Paul Rudd, like, I feel like there are so many, like, guys like that who I'm like, well, I wouldn't have picked him to be a superhero, but it's like, he could probably pull it off. I, I could see him being a good Shazam and getting that, like, spirit of the character right. Um, but I don't want him to be the, I don't want him to be Billy. That's weird. So, I just, I just looked it up, and they're actually not using de-aging technology for this film. Um, and actually, we've got a quote here from the director, David Sandberg. Uh, so he says, I wouldn't want to do that, referencing using de-aging technology. That seems like way too much of a hassle. So I think it'd just kind of be best to have a kid and an adult. Hell yeah. Nice. So, All right. Hopes are stored. So there's Yeah, that. so cool. So, I mean, maybe we just haven't gotten that announcement yet, right? Like, who knows? Yeah. Or maybe it'll be an unknown kid. Uh, as far as how I feel about the casting, I don't know much about this actor. I can't think of anything that I've seen him in. Um... That being said, at first glance, he doesn't look what I would imagine Shazam to look like. Uh, I imagine him, I guess, as a, a, a bulkier person. Beefier dude, yeah. 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 That's what I would think about Superman, too. And Henry Cavill, while he's bulkier, I like he's not like John Cena beefy. Yeah, I guess for me, with Shazam, it's just a little different because Shazam is... You, you almost imagine him to be like, wow, if I were a kid, this is what I would want to mm. be like. And yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. thinking about the reality of, of physics. You're thinking about how buff you could be. And so that's yeah. how I picture Suzanne. But this yeah. could easily work. And if it's between getting a super buff actor and an actor who's maybe not so buff but has the chops, I would obviously rather they go with somebody who can act. So hopefully this guy can act. We also learned this week that uh, the movie is slated to release for uh, April 2019, and it's it's the next movie to shoot. So the next, I should say, the next DC movie to shoot. So that's that's really interesting. Um, David Sandberg said that this kind of process, how they're making this movie, all the CG and, and whatnot, it's going to take a long time to work through it. So that's, I mean, that's kind of far out. But um, I, I'm reasonably excited for this. They must be they must be CGIing the muscles. <laughs> well, he he or he might be bulking up. You know, like he's yeah. probably taking the time to pack on the muscle. You know, because that's, yeah, that's true. That's what these guys do usually, and then they accentuate them to make them look like action figures. <laughs> um, we're we're gonna need to see a training montage to be sure. I mean, Chris Bratt gave it to us the whole time. Yeah, right. So we'll we'll probably get it. And we still get Thor workout videos every once in a while. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was going to say, I'm actually more excited for this movie knowing that it's farther out. 
that gives me more confidence in it that like they're actually going to have the time to do it right, you know, and that it won't be a rush job to hit a deadline. Yeah, I, I could see that. Definitely. Um, yeah. I was going to say I'm, I'm waiting for more info before I really kind of feel any kind of way about this, I guess. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I guess the other thing for me is like I'm more excited by the characters that are less well known because I feel like those are the those are the films that have the opportunity to like shine a little bit more because I don't know that they have as much attention or pressure on them. Like that seems to be what happened with Wonder Woman, right? It was like they had low expectations and they kind of didn't put as much control on it and it was better. And, you know, I think that coupled with the fact that we'll be what, three movies into Jeff John's DC FU instead of, uh, you know, the previous guard. So I feel like there's, there's definitely a good chance there for, for this to be something, uh, worth being excited for, I think. So we mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about one of the three assassins from our buyer cell. And, uh, the one we're going to be talking about is Deathstroke because apparently a Deathstroke movie is in the works, uh, coming from the director of the film, The Raid, Gareth Evans. Uh, so according to Hollywood Reporter, um, this movie would star, uh, Joe Mang, Manganiello. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Mang, Mangia, Mangiello. <laughs> that's how you pronounce it, John. <laughs> um, and and that's kind of all we know. So we've heard about him. We've heard about Joe playing Deathstroke for a long time. He was rumored to be in the upcoming Batman solo film. Uh, he's rumored to be in Justice League, or at least he was. We don't know how much of that is still true. Um, but they really, really want to get this guy in a movie as Deathstroke. So what do you guys think about the possibility of a Deathstroke solo film? So I think it'll be really good. Uh, I think Deathstroke is like, he's one of those characters that's sort of like the Punisher. Um, I think to get, but with less notoriety, I think. So I, I think to get to see him in action by himself within the context of like, you know, his own world. His I think own be, thing. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah, uh, I'm with Cal on this one. Like, I heard this news and had a moment of just kind of being like, huh, yeah, I, I could really see that working just because I think Deathstroke um, hits a lot of the qualities that I think work in the favor of doing something like this in that, like, he's a he's a well-known enough villain. Like, obviously, he's if you're a comic book person, you know who Deathstroke is, even if you're not into DC, probably, I would say. Um Especially because of, like, his appearances on, like, the Teen Titan show and shit like that. Yeah, you might know him by uh, Slade, Slade, his name on right, Teen yeah. Titans. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Arrow, he was also in Injustice. So, like, he's got enough notoriety that I feel like a movie about him would get buzz um, and not have people be like, who the fuck is this? But he's also not, like, a, a villain like, you know, like the Joker, somebody who's so intrinsically tied to one superhero and like has this, you know, history and expectation and everything. And it's like, you might know him as a Teen Titans villain. You might know him as a cameo in fucking Arrow, you know, or whatever. Or like, again, he's got his own comic. So like he has his own mythology and has his own stuff going on to the point where I don't feel like it's, 
it doesn't seem as crazy to me as the idea of like a Joker movie or a Venom movie because I don't feel like those characters have enough on their own. Um, or at least not Eddie Brock Venom. You know, we've had this discussion long and hard. So obviously there I think he was more than a cameo. I think he was like a full season villain in Arrow. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't watch Arrow, so like that's my that's my mistake. Um, but even so, that strengthens that point even better, right? Is like there's so much range to Deathstroke that I don't know that you have in a lot of other villains who have the same level of notoriety, right? Like you could know him easily as just a Batman villain or as any of these other fucking things. So like, yeah, like I feel like this could totally work, and it could be like actually a meaningful like anti-hero or like supervillain movie, and that could be really cool. Yep. I'm gonna go on a le- I'm gonna go on a ledge here, and um, I say it could be good. It makes me so mad that that's our show's catchphrase. I don't know how this happened. It pisses me off so much. We say so much great stuff that's so <laughs> funny, and that's the thing that sticks. <laughs> that's how catchphrases work, baby. Ugh. Eat my shorts. Yeah. Don't have a cow, man. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I. I guess all all the things you guys said makes sense but i don't understand why this is a movie that we need to get um, that's fair <laughs> yeah none of these movies are movies we need to get i no no you understand why they're making a wonder woman movie you understand why they're making x x or y movie this is a movie where it's like why why is this a thing uh what does it add what what does a deathstroke movie add to what they're trying to do on film that we don't have uh, I think you could make an argument for it down the road if we'd already seen him, and it's like, oh man, now he's going to be redeemed. Here's another side to Deathstroke. But if you introduce him, you have to humanize him in order to make the movie work. Once you humanize him, does he go back to being a villain? Uh, how, you know who who's his antagonist in this film? There's a lot of questions. Deathstroke is not a great person, uh, and so. Neither is Frank Castle. Yeah, that's that's different, man. He's 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 on a mission. Deathstroke is a contract killer. Not always. He has there are flashes of him doing other stuff, and you can show that absolutely. But if you want the character to have legs, and I feel this way with most things in these film universes, if you want the character to have legs, how do you preserve the part of him that's evil so that he can be used later when that is appropriate, um, and still make this work? And have him be a redeemable figure here. I've got it. The Terra storyline. Make him fall in love with a 16-year-old. Oh, boy. Oh, good. Hot, topical Especially. humor. Yeah. So, I don't... I, I, I don't I, like anything else, it's all in the delivery. Um, Suicide Squad was a movie about villains that could have been good, but it was mishandled because it was Warner Brothers getting involved with uh, David Ayer's stuff. Um... Like anything, it just comes down to presentation. This movie could be a movie about a, a, you know. So, I don't see why a movie about a contract killer can work. There's plenty of movies like that out there. Um, and, uh, like Pete said, there's no attachment for other shit, so uh, nerds won't get their underwear in a, in a bind because it doesn't follow the canonical nature of the character in the book necessarily. Plenty of shit you can do. Sure. Uh Again, though, it's not one movie, right? These things, these things tend to not exist in a vacuum. So, if Deathstroke, if Deathstroke is going to appear and 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 be a character in the DC film universe, then you can bet your bottom dollar that that's not his only appearance. And so, 
how do you make it so that his first appearance doesn't remove the malleability from the character to where you would be able to make him appear in different things and be different when you need him? Just to answer your question, my thought would be you could you could potentially do a um, kind of like and maybe this is a bad analogy, but you could do a similar arc to what the story of the prequel trilogy of Star Wars is, but good, you know, of just like show what made him Deathstroke, you know, like what is the thing that led him to become a cold-blooded contract killer? And you see, a, you know, maybe a man become a monster, right? And like there's there's a certain appeal to that. You're right. That's a bad idea. That's not, no, that's not what I think. My idea is it's like a mafia movie, basically. Mob movies, the characters aren't likable, but that's not the point. It's driven by the action. You have Slade Wilson contracted to take down a worst evil. That's really all you have to do. It's Slade Wilson contracted to take out someone even worse. Make him take down Deadshot. You could have Wilson. (laughs) I, I like it. And then just throw Deadpool in somehow. Good to go. <laughs> Amalgam Universe! And then they all shoot the comics, pals. <laughs> Dude, that could be cool. Uh, especially since we are now... Is that is that a thing? Is that is that book out? Is Short Order Cooks 3 out? I don't... It might be out for Kickstarter backers. But... Oh. So. Well, I mean, we're, we're we've got the we've got the image everywhere, so we might as well just. So uh, we're in a comic book, which is awesome. Uh, Short yeah. Order Cooks by Christopher Sabella. Um, we were drawn into the book, so if you are a Kickstarter backer or you do have the opportunity to pick up the book, because it will be released for mass consumption at some point, uh, you'll be able to check us out in print for the first time, uh, and hopefully not the last time. So we're talking about the DC film universe, uh, which Pete aptly referred to as the DCFU. <laughs> and uh, here's potentially another FU, because Gal Gadot was recently doing an interview, and she talked about how they have officially retconned a big piece of the film Wonder Woman's canon. God now, damn it. I've complained, and as have many other people, about how Batman vs. Superman establishes that Wonder Woman disappeared from the quote-unquote world of men for 100 years. And the Wonder Woman movie not only makes no references to that, but doesn't end in a way where that would make any sense at all. And now, coming from the mouth of Wonder Woman herself, she's saying that that's no longer true. And here's a quote from her. We realized that actually there is no way that Wonder Woman will ever give up on mankind. The reason why she left the island was because she wanted to make their life better and safer. They are her calling. So I'm giving you a very honest answer. Sometimes in a creative process, you establish something that is not necessarily the right decision, but then you can always correct it and change it. So Wonder Woman will always be there as far as she's as far as she is concerned for mankind. Oh, so they're not retconning Wonder Woman, they're retconning BVS. No, they're retconning a portion of Wonder Woman's origin in the films. That is that that is a that is a huge thing. No, right, you're right. But I was saying like it's not anything from Wonder Woman the movie. They're they're retconning the a thing from BVS that she'd been gone for a hundred years, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Okay. I said they're retconning a, a big piece of Wonder Woman. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I was just clarifying because when you originally said it, I got the impression that they were going to change something from the Wonder Woman film for the new films. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. But. No, listen, listen. I didn't see Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. But um, I have no intention on seeing it. And as far as I'm concerned, nothing was retconned because that movie doesn't exist. <laughs> that movie was retconned. That movie no. was retconned. <laughs> it seems that <laughs> this way. Sounds like- it sounds like the kind of thing that Patty Jenkins, uh, like read in Batman versus Superman and went, "Oh no, that won't work." <laughs> it's like that's funny because my movie's about World War Two. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> World War One. Oh, World War One, right? Fuck. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what? What? What a man thing to do. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like this is it. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised, you know? Like, this is... They're they're changing hands here, and, like, the movies that didn't work are... I think they're going to probably just increasingly distance themselves from them, you know? That's... Yeah, that's something that a lot of people have said, that there's a... I mean, there's a possibility that a lot of pieces of these films might go away. So, we're getting a, a, a huge milestone in comics uh, really soon, because Action Comics... Is coming up on its one thousandth one one thousandth issue. Hooray! Good for Superman! Woohoo! Yes. So <laughs> it wasn't sarcasm. Don't feel you asshole. <laughs> All right, Kevin. In twenty eighteen, uh, we will reach one thousand issues of Superman, and there will be two versions of the huge milestone issue. One that costs six bucks, which is just a regular old story by Pete Tomasi and Dan Jurgens, and another version that is an oversized uh, hardcover edition that will cost thirty dollars and be one hundred and sixty-eight pages long. Now, when this was first reported, and I unfortunately I have to call out Bleeding Cool here. Because the way they reported it initially, it sounded like the $30 edition was the only edition that would exist. And that caused a number of people, myself included, to raise their eyebrows. Because I'm not paying $30 for a floppy. There's no way. Um, for the thousandth issue, you wouldn't pay that? No. Well, they, said it's a, it's, they said it's a hard Boy, cover, I don't too, know. right? Yeah, but it's it's just if it's just one issue, which is the way that it was originally presented, I'm not paying a th- uh, $30 for that. Um, and a lot of people had a very similar reaction. You also have to consider the fact that most people's budget for comics in one week is not $30. So, or, or, or for one poll, right. Of a week is $30 for everything. Exactly. So that would be asinine, but as it turns out, that is incorrect. And bleeding cool led the charge and in incorrectly reporting about this story and a lot of people were very uh, upset about the initial announcement. Now, as far as the way this is actually being done, which is just two separate things, I think that the $30 edition is very cool in that context. Because if you really care about it and you're a fan of the character and you want to celebrate, paying 30 bucks for something like this makes a ton of sense, especially since you're getting a special story by uh, Jeff Johns and Richard Donner. That's awesome. That's yeah, really, oh, wait, really cool. Wait, what? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, there's a oh, there's shit. an extra extra issue, and then there's like extra art too, right? And some like because it's there's there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of covers that they're collecting. Like all one thousand covers are going to be uh, showcased. Um, they're going to have this special story by Johnson Donner. They're do they're they're going all out. Seems and like so- a badass retrospective, man. Like just yeah, a really those- cool celebration of like. We are like this is you know this is a really historic moment you know like this is yeah. crazy dude like the f- one thousand issues it doesn't it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't want that to me no if anything you'd want Jurgens and and Tomasi off the book and Donner and Johns to do the whole book <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean I don't know dude like I don't pick up action comics but I might I might buy this just because it's like that's a really just cool little piece of like history you know yeah i think that's a i think that's gonna be a lot of people's mentality going in this is gonna this is gonna bridge over the um casual readers and normies because they're gonna be like oh especially collectors sure yeah because they're gonna be like oh this is history i mean this is just like this is a really cool i don't know man it's a really cool celebration of like the beginning of all of this stuff you know, right? Like, if you're into modern American comics, like, you owe something to action comics. And it's really cool that there's going to be this, like, like some fanfare around it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is an earned moment, I would say. And people, some people were co- comparing it to, you know, Marvel's lenticular covers and different things like that. And I don't think this is this is something totally different. Um Yeah. I agree. Yeah, this is this is something actually worth celebrating. Yeah. No, as you guys know, I'm a huge I'm a huge Superman fan. Um, he's my favorite character in any medium of, of art and, and and fiction. Um, that the fact that they're doing a little something a little special for it, um, that 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 intrigues me. I mean, I'm like I, I I've been an admirer of, of the character throughout his 80-year history, whether it's the radio plays, the um, the George Reeves TV show from the 50s, Christopher Reeve movie. Max um, Fleischer cartoons. Yeah. Mm. So this is a character with a swath of history. Um, so this is, like, as, as I said, this is, this is a little time capsule. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when it comes out, we'll have more to say because hopefully we'll all be able to read it. But uh, yeah. Big Superman celebration coming your way real soon. Also coming your way real soon is an epic trailer for Doomsday Clock. This was uh, sick! It, it's going to be... It, it, this trailer is going to be airing uh, alongside Thor Ragnarok and Justice League. Uh, DC is going to air a trailer for Doomsday Clock, and I think this is genius. You finally listen to me, DC. This is why Pete's so intrigued by DC now. Because he's like, they're saying all the shit this I is, said. This is what me and Marco have been talking about since like episode four or some shit, where it's like, this is this is perfect. This is such a great move. Like, this See, is brilliant, brilliant marketing. The thing is that they've actually done this a number of times before. Uh, apparently. Episode four uh, was only a Pete and Marco episode. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but <laughs> don't be like that, Kale. <laughs> like, yeah, like we all haven't said that for fifty-two weeks in a row. Like, 
I know. I'm just just shit on Pete. Fine, fine. Just shit on me. I'll just <laughs> and, open and up again, my mouth. And again, this is something that they did for New Fifty Two and Rebirth. Yeah, I remember we talked about the Rebirth commercials because I think that we saw them on TV or something. Yeah, like it I, was on. It was it was on AMC while I was watching uh, Terminator. Right, that was it. Yeah, because I, I remember we had talked about that on the show. But like, I don't think they've ever done this in theaters, have they? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the quality of this trailer because this is like fresh to death. And I was watching the Injustice 2 E-League uh, tournament on Friday night and they aired a trailer for the button. They aired a, uh, a nice. commercial for the button. That's fucking button. great, dude. I mean, good on DC. Like, that's very forward thinking. It, it wasn't. Actually, I just realized it wasn't the button. It was the Dark Knight Returns uh, or the Dark Knight. What's it Tra- called? Masterclass? M- Master Race. Master Race. <laughs> Master Race. Yeah. Dark Knight Masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how to be Batman from Jeff Johns. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Scott Snyder's class that he's teaching. <laughs> um, but yeah, really cool. Um, I'm actually excited to see this trailer on the big screen. And when I watch this, and you know, I've made no bones about it, I'm very excited for Doomsday Clock. When I watch this, somehow I got even more excited for Doomsday Clock. I Is didn't even think that was out? possible. No. Is the trailer out? Oh, oh, it's not. Um, the trailer, the trailer is available to watch now. You could, you could, um, you could watch it right now. I've got the link, um, here. But um, it, it will be in theaters starting with Thor Ragnarok. I, uh, I got to see Thor Ragnarok. It wasn't, uh, wasn't in front of mine. They actually uh, aired a trailer that spoiled the whole movie at That's my theater. So. Even better. We're gonna talk about your experience watching Thor Ragnarok. Um, I guess we can talk about it next week. Uh, listeners of our show know that Sean and I have been singing praises of the hype for Doomsday Clock for um, maybe like three months now. Basically since the drop. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just another another cog in that wheel of hype. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they're they're doing literally everything right in terms of selling this. So. And it's just, I don't know. It's It's cool to see a trailer like that, that like... Like, I like that it's name dropping the creative team the way that it is. You know, like, that's the kind of shit you don't usually see in this media. Promote the talent. Yeah, you gotta promote the talent. I like the way DC does these trailers, too. Like, there is a little bit of motion, but it's not like the uh, like the Marvel motion comics where it looks weird. Anyway, yeah, it's a real cool trailer. You should check it out. Yeah, we'll have the link for you. Um, so... Let's let's do let's quickly talk about um, Kale's experience watching Thor. Tell us tell us everything, but tell us nothing. Uh, okay, so overall for me, uh, I I I had a good time. Um, I think this is what the Thor franchise needed. Um, I think it's uh, it's a really good way to get out of like the the Kenneth Branagh Shakespearean Thor. Um, and it feels, it, 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 like, just like the trailer, uh, you know, shows, it, it feels like a real, true, uh, sci-fi film. Um, the Kirby stuff, man, you haven't even begun to see the Kirby stuff. It's incredible. Everything in this movie is Kirby-inspired, and it's glorious. Um. That sounds pretty dope. All of the performances are amazing. As everybody already knows, uh, Jeff Goldblum is the best character. Yes! <laughs> um, 
uh, I think there is, <laughs> I think there is a surprise in there that you guys are really going to like. And if you listen to our book club episode, uh, you might be able to figure out why, but you'll have to see it, obviously, because I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, I did have some problems with it, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really because of the story. The best way for me to put it is like, I saw on Twitter that people are calling it, uh, an action comedy. Uh, so if you go, if you go in with that mindset, it's really going to work for you. What do you think of the um, music? Oh man, the soundtrack is incredible. Um, they mix like the Led Zeppelin, you know, from like the, the cool trailer they showed us with like that real cool, like sci-fi eighties synth. Yeah, right. bitch. John and Carpenter. It Ooh, it's good. Nice. Ooh, it's good. The sound for me, like the soundtrack was by far the best part. Um, yeah, real good. Um, we'll talk about more about what I didn't like more next week when you guys have seen it and everything but yeah for me it's a i mean it's a solid b plus cool uh the record the the reviews have been pretty glowing so far um although i have heard some criticism probably i would imagine along the lines of what your your criticisms are of the film and again we will get into that more uh later but i'm still very excited i'm, I'm very there very are excited. there are like general uh comments and criticisms of the marvel films that i think this movie does kind of fall into and that i can like kind of see be, uh th through this movie uh but overall it yeah it's it's a real good time awesome yeah um so for those of you who you know live in america uh which is the only place to really live uh that's that's I mean, uh I got to see the cool movie a week before you guys did, so. Yeah, but guess I what? You didn't, you didn't get to see it with the cool Doomsday Clock trailer, did you? Yeah, and the movie got spoiled, so. <laughs> <laughs> they did, so what they did, they did like this, they did like this 90s, like, VHS style, like, yes. TV trailer for, like, the, the whole movie. Yes. But they took, like, the cool parts of the movie and, like, put it in the trailer, and it was like, what the fuck? Like, I've been trying to keep myself from all of these spoilers for, like, a year. And you're going to do it three seconds before the movie starts, you sons of bitches. That's really fucked up. I sincerely hope that that does not air with the U.S. version. If it does, I'm just going to close my fucking eyes and ears and go... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently it's just uh, a thing that this... Uh, these trailers are a thing that this movie theater is known for. Oh, uh, Wow. For, for you guys, I guess, because you won't know, but um, uh, in Wellington, New Zealand, where I live now, uh, it's it, like basically where every movie is filmed uh, through uh, the Weta workshop. Uh, and so this movie theater theater that I went to is uh, it's called the Roxy, which, you know, isn't really an inspired name for a movie theater. But but mostly they're funded through uh, the Weta workshop. And so they get to make all these, you know, trailers and stuff. And I guess they didn't give a shit about this one. <laughs> Why uh, not something like that at the end? Yeah, right? Um, real cool trailer. Um, but, yeah, it was huge spo spoilers. Uh, oh, this will be important. Uh, there is one after credit scene 
but if you don't uh, stay for it, it's not a big deal. Okay. It do- it doesn't connect to the next movies. That's fine. So I, I, I know you, I know you guys will stay for it because you're you know obviously fans, but. I mean, who's uh, not yeah, going to stay like, for the scene? Just fucking sit for three extra seconds. It always shocks me when people don't stick around. Yeah, Is it good it's or like, bad. Uh, it's uh, it's good. Okay, it's then good. I'll stay. Yeah, you'll like it, especially Phil. It's good. Oh, then I'll stay. I'll stay. Uh, so with Thor Ragnarok being the third film uh, in a trilogy of Thor movies, that doesn't feel like a trilogy. Um, the question becomes, where do, where do you go with the character? And, and that question has a lot of people wondering if maybe we will get a female Thor. Uh, obviously, in the comics, um, Jane Foster is Thor right now. And while that does appear to be coming to an end with the Death of Thor storyline that they've got running right now, um, Movies.com spoke to Kevin Feige and asked about the possibility of a female Thor. And Kevin had the following to say. We always look back to the comics to get those ideas. Sometimes very specific storylines like Civil War. Sometimes just nuggets or characters like Planet Hulk. So anything that's happened in the comics, even a female Thor, becomes great potential and the ideas from which future movies can be born. So, of course, that's that's a very non-committal, non-answer. Um, which you would expect. He's not just going to say, yeah, we're doing that, you know, the next film. Uh, but what do you guys think about the prospect of a female Thor and sort of replacing the, the, the current Thor? If they get Natalie Portman to play Jane Foster, I'm in. People hate her cool. in these movies. In the second movie, they, she was terrible. If they gave her something to do, she would be really good. I don't think Natalie Portman's a good ingenue. If if she wasn't pissed off about Thor two and like the, her fallout with Marvel, I think it would have been fine. I think she was like good in the first movie, but like to Kale's point, there was not much to Thor one. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Uh, and like uh, without giving any anything away, like you know, if they go with like the the theme of Ragnarok, which is like the death of everything, um, it would be cool to see like the hammer be picked up by someone else you know sometime in the future so i think there's one thing that everyone can agree about regarding 2017 Uh, america's the bad guy man you're right yeah i mean i was gonna say that it sucked um but there there is one bright spot that that we all actually can agree on which is that doomsday clock is coming out Uh, you guys want to throw more out there? Anything else? Comics Pass, episode 53. The start of a new year, bitch. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I honestly don't want a new year. We thought 2017 would be, uh, would be a relaxing trip, and it hasn't been. Well, again, you could pay money to have yourself murdered, and you wouldn't see a new year. So if you want to go down that road. It's a great point. All right. Let's see. <laughs> Google. <laughs> hey Siri, find me some assassins. Oh shit! Don't do that. <laughs> I'll pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, if you guys could see this, it legitimately she did it. I didn't know I had that activated. That's fantastic, actually. She said, "I'll pretend I didn't hear that." Thanks. <laughs> That's. I'm sure the authorities are on the way to Kale's house. So. 
as I was saying, the one thing we can all agree on is that Logan was great. And we probably all would like to see more in the vein of Logan. And so James Mangold, who did direct Logan, uh, confirmed that he's working on a script for an X-23 movie. Uh, so speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, he had the following to say. Patty's success with Wonder Woman only solidifies more for studios that there's less to fear with a female protagonist. The more that keeps getting hit home, that ends up giving me more space turning around and going, well, here we are with a female protagonist. That's incredible. And what are we going to do with her? And that's where we are with that Laura script right now dreaming. So is this something you guys would like to see? Absolutely. Yep. I will. Definitely. I will a hundred percent pay. I'll pay. Th- I'll pay thirty dollars for a ticket for a little girl to be ripping apart people in in a movie theater. I mean, that, guess proved that this was awesome. Like fucking almost ten years. Yeah, that's ago. true. Like yeah, like let's do this. I'm so so down for another James Mangold romp. And uh, I forget the name of the actress, but she was great as Laura. So <sighs> yeah, uh, I agree with that. Uh, Daphne Keene, by the way. Daphne yeah. Keene. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Why? I mean, I. I mean, he's a great director. Logan was an incredible film. It's. It's still probably my favorite film of 2017 so far. Um, if he wants, but to do you this, haven't seen Thor yet. Yeah, well, I saw Blade Sleep. Runner, and that was close. Ha 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 ha! You laugh. We'll see, man. Uh, well. You're right. Superman with a mustache might overtake Logan. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> now that that I do agree with. <laughs> I don't agree with you on much, but Superman with a mustache—that's one thing I can agree with. Um, I think it's a really earnest idea, um, and I'm really interested to see what he does with it. I like it, but I don't care for them to continue on with the post. The, the, the future storyline. I, I want X-23 to be with the modern X-Men, not alone in the future. Nah. That's that's a good point. I think it'd be cool to see her as the next Wolverine. Yeah. We don't need Wolverine. Let's have X-23. But in order for that to work, she's got to be able to be with the team. Meh. Phil, man, if you were in front of me right now, I would throw this water bottle at you. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel I feel like uh, you have a catchphrase that you're you're missing out on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, checks out. Could be good. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think I'm kind of more in line with Phil. I think I'd rather see a movie that's like a James Mangold joint about Laura and not trying to have Laura interact with the other X Men movies because I don't really like a lot of them. Let an artist craft his craft. Make put James Mangold on the next X Men movie, or or you he could still make a Laura solo film. It doesn't need to be the, that the X Men are in it. I'm just saying that I want to see her in that world. So he could make a solo film with her. That's cool, but she should also be one of the main characters on the X Men team because the character is good enough. I think the actress killed it. And I think they established a character that I would love to go back to and watch her grow. And we can't, we won't do, I guarantee you, we're not going to get the opportunity to do that with her isolated from the rest of the X-Men. They're not going to keep making movie after movie after movie in that world. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. Like, there's a whole team of kids for her to interact with, though. You know, like they showed them getting yeah. a can. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's there's like there's stuff to mine there to move forward from Logan, and I'm I'm not necessarily interested in seeing her interact with like the modern team or with the modern movies, just because I don't know. I think like Logan is good because it's separate from all that. You could have easily had Logan be set in the modern times, and it would have been good. The movie is good because it was made well. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that other stuff. The X-Men movies are bad because they're made bad. If they're made good, you wouldn't say that. Well, the ones that are good, I think they're good. The ones that are good are good. But the the ones that give that universe a bad rap, that, that exists for a reason, and it exists because they're poor. Logan Logan could have you could have eat the Wolverine movie that they made which does take place alongside the contemporary X-Men movie the, the one titled The Wolverine The Wolverine Okay that movie it's it's you know I liked it a lot it could have been better it's decent but yeah. it wasn't if if the quality was lacking it's not because of the time that it took place in it's that, that's know. not my point my my point is that like it's good because it's separate from the mainline movie so it was allowed to do something different like, yeah. you're, you're not going to have the same level of storytelling or freedom in a mainline X-Men movie if James Mangle is making it. Because that's what the Wolverine was. Like, he made that, too. And it was fine, but it wasn't Logan. Like, Logan was really, like, different and special. And it was because it had the R rating and it had it, it was set in a different timeline. So there's not as much, um, he didn't, you know, I'm sure he had just a lot less oversight. Whereas, like, if he's building a movie that feeds into the machine, then he's going to have to service the machine. Again, I, I said this before. It doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to be in the machine. It could be an ancillary movie that takes place in the same timeline. And 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 actually, we don't know that Wolverine doesn't – or Logan doesn't take place in the same timeline. We only know that it takes place possibly, probably in the future of the timeline that we've already seen. Sure. So what Pete's saying is 100% right, though, because everything he's talking about is it allows the director to have unlimited freedom with the property. There is no expanded universe to tie this shit down like Amazing Spider-Man or, or um, Spectacular Spider-Man dealt with. Like A lot of the Marvel movies get weighed down with the continuity. Logan is allowed to run you know, ramshackle on its own with a creator who has a vision for it. And my point is that 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 those two things are not mutually exclusive. If Fox wanted to give whatever director carte blanche, they could do that. And because of the success, look at Deadpool. Deadpool exists within that universe, within that world, but it's its own thing. Why can't you do that with um with a Wolverine movie or an X twenty three movie? You could do that with whoever you want to do it with. And I, and I think the point Sean is making is that. James Mangold would be a good choice for that. Yeah. He proved Um, he could do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, you already have Laura set up in a way where, like, we have a relationship with her in this universe, in this arc. And, like, I don't know. I I feel like I'd rather just see if he, he you know, whatever. Whatever story he wants to tell is the story that I want to see because I believe in James Mangold. But... I think personally, I'd be more interested in seeing him continue in the story that he wrote that isn't touched by anybody else than having to make something that's new and contextualized with like, cause I mean, you're, you're talking about like a standalone. 
X-23 story set in a modern Marvel universe with different, or not Marvel universe, um, X-Men universe, but with like different actors and stuff? Or do you mean the same actors that we see in the main movies? The the same actors, the same everything. Let's just get her here so that she can also be separate from this movie. Again, I'm not talking about having, you know, Storm just randomly appear. I'm saying that separate from this movie, I would like to, to have access to Laura as a character that can appear in the X-Men movies so that she can interact with them, grow, and become a part of that team. But James Mangold's solo movie for the character is separate from that. Right, okay. Yeah, I, I think what Phil and I are saying is, like, we don't... I, that's, I'm not interested in that for that character because I think, like, she's good because she's not connected to those movies because there, there's a, a lot of problems with them. That's such a weird opinion. Any, It, it could be... As Phil says every single episode, it could be good. Why can't it be good? Because they're not. Like, we've been saying how we systematically don't believe in what they're doing, and they're about to botch your favorite fucking character of all time, and, like, you don't even disagree with that. So, it's like, but you I like, don't know. But you like Deadpool. You like, like, there are movies there that you like, right? Yeah, but Deadpool is the, that just reinforces the point that you made, though, right? Is that, like, Deadpool and Logan are both separate from those movies. Did you like Days of Future Past? I... What was that? The second one set in the post reboot universe? Yeah, yeah, that was good. Okay, there, there you go. There's a good X Men movie. Yeah, but there's been like three since then that are bad, or two since then that there's are bad. Been, there's been one since then. Okay, so this is this will be the second bad one. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. You're. It sounds like you're on. All of a sudden, you're on Fox's side. I like it. I like it. Not on Fox's side. I'm saying that. If if we're living in a world where Fox is making successful movies with the X-Men franchise, uh, which New Mutants looks like it's going to be a solid film. Um, we've got Deadpool. Days of Future Past was excellent. Apocalypse sucked. Um, but it seems like they're learning lessons. E- even, if, even if the movie that she's in is bad, I don't care. I like the character, and I want to see her interact with the other characters because in the comics... I really enjoy those interactions. And I don't think that whether I don't think that just because the Fox movies are bad or that there have been bad X-Men movies, that that means that they should just not put characters in them because, oh, no, the movie could be bad. It won't sully the name. The name is the name. The character had good appearances. Some have bad appearances. It doesn't matter. I would. Yeah, I would. I I'm somewhere in between. I just want to see an X-Men movie where she's Wolverine. I don't, I don't, I don't care where it fits in continuity. I don't care if it does. I think it'd be cool as hell. Let's let's move on. We've got other stuff to talk about. Bigger fish. Uh, so we've officially learned that Captain Marvel will be in Avengers Four. Uh, in an interview with IndieWire, Kevin Feige talked about the fact that you know this is going to be the case, um, and had this to say: "We're really focusing on Captain Marvel." and the work that Anna and Ryan are doing. Those are the people who are making the movie. It's going to be a big part of heading towards this epic conclusion, an epic finale of 22 movies over the course of 10 years. Really, the focus now is on delivering Captain Marvel and then bringing Captain Marvel's story into the finale of everything we've started thus far. That's awesome. The idea that she's being placed uh, in this position of sort of being so important that their focus is on her right now and on bringing her into the Avengers, making that mean something. I think that's fantastic. 
They want that Wonder Woman money, baby. Ah, come on. Captain, the Captain Marvel film has been planned for a long time. Yeah, but now they're placing more emphasis on it. How do you know that? Because that's what you said. I didn't say that. So they're, like, they're putting all this attention on her and they're like focusing on her? I mean, that sounds like post-Wonder Woman stuff to me. Captain Marvel has been groomed for this position from the comics for, for like ten years. Five years. Ten years. Since New Avengers, Captain Marvel has been... They've been really trying to make her something for 10 years. I, I think I think since they made her Captain Marvel, that was like, we need a Marvel Wonder Woman. I think that's when they were really like front and center. Well, I think they gave Carol Danvers more attention in, in, in 2007-ish. I think like 2012 is when they really ramped it up. All right. I don't know. This doesn't feel like news to me. We already... I mean, I guess the confirmation is there, but like we pretty much already knew this was going to be the case. Like, this has been talked about for years at this point. So, I mean, cool. Well, we've we've speculated, um, but we haven't known exactly what, how they were... Because Captain Marvel, the movie, takes place in the 90s, right? So, the question is, and I'm, obviously they're going to answer this, but how do you go from that to having her be in Avengers 4? Why was she absent? You know, there's so many questions. She left man's world for 25 years. <laughs> uh, we also know who will potentially play the villain in the Captain Marvel movie. Um, so the the co-directors, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who were referenced in the last article, um, are talking to Ben Mendelsohn for the role of the superhero film's villain. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with who he is, he was the villain in Rogue One. Um, he was, he, he was played, sorry, Krennic, right? I, Officer I Krennic, the guy, he was the guy with the big white cape. Yeah. The main, the main guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was actually in the Dark Knight Rises. He played, I can't remember the first name, but Daggett, the guy who hires Bane and Bane and Bane's like, oh, so you think that gives you power over me? Do you, do you feel in charge? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so he's, he's in talks to play the villain role, which is interesting because it means he's going to play a scroll, I would imagine. You know, I don't know that I'm interested in him playing the villain because the two villain roles you described, he was a huge bitch. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. These movies are going to make the scrolls villains? They're the greatest empire in our galaxy. <laughs> Just like America. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. Uh, 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 only a scroll would say that. Shahan. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still learning your language. I mean, Kale's nighttime ass was that. <laughs> Shit, that got me. Kale's shirt just says balls. We lost Kale. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Did anybody else see that? His yeah, t-shirt dude. just says balls on it. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, that worked out really. <laughs> I was just, I just wanted to be a scroll for that bit. And I was like trying to act not human, and so I mispronounced your name, and it just broke Kale. M my nighttime asthma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us into our main topic. Uh, we talked a lot about female superheroes and the movies that they 
are starring in or will be starring in or have starred in. And it's been a long time since this superhero boom started. And I want to talk about, because we always talk about how Marvel and DC and how these films are doing in terms of representation of people of color, uh, minorities. We don't always talk about the women. And so today I wanted to put a spotlight on the women in these films and sort of grade Marvel and DC as far as how they've done so far with these characters and where we think the future lies for these characters. Um, so I really just want to have an open conversation about that, uh, sort of starting from the question of how do we think that the female characters have done on screen so far this year, we got wonder woman, we got, uh, X-23. She's, you know, a, a younger girl, but still counts, I would say. And she's not like most girls And our first, I believe this is true. Our first female, uh, super villain in a movie. And Hella. Uh, well, if you count Enchantress before that. Oh, you're right. You're right. Hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, and then in Wonder Woman, there was uh, Madam, what's her name? Poison. Dr. Poison. I, I, yeah, I guess I was talking about more like the, the like central villain. Yeah, villain. yeah that's legit. Enchantress that's legit. does count, though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, We also had another uh, Guardians movie uh, where there was there were three female characters in that movie. Mantis. Mantis, uh, you, Nebula, and Gamora. And, well, and um, gosh, the, the woman who was the leader of the those weird people. I, I, Aisha, Aisha. Remember the, the people who... Uh, gold? Yeah, the gold people. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. What the fuck were they called? I didn't... I, yeah. I guess I didn't really consider her like a... She was an antagonist. A, a main role, I guess. Yeah. She's the mother of Dr. Uh, of uh, Adam Warlock. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, so how do you guys think that this year, I guess, played out for um, female characters. Oh, on are we? We're just playing. We're just talking about this year. Well, since since it kind of went there. Okay, I think this year has been better than most. Uh, I mean, I think I think I, I mean, and it sucks that we're a bunch of dudes talking about this, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, we think it's great. It was good for us. <laughs> uh, I mean, even just starting the conversation with Wonder Woman, I think is is a really good place to be. You know, uh, like people have wanted a Wonder Woman movie for years, and here it is, and it was better better than we all expected. Yeah, I, I was. I think it's like impossible to. To look at that movie and not say that this was a good year um, for, you know, the presentation of, of female superheroes or female comic book characters, however you want to spin that, um, just because we got the first female fronted movie of this caliber and it was a hit and it was not just a hit, it was a smash hit. So, like, is that enough? No, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. And like um, we had the quote from from James Mangold earlier, who said like that was a that was a signal. 
to Hollywood. And it's only the beginning, I think. I think we're going to get a whole wave of movies trying to chase what Wonder Woman accomplished. And that's, you know, even if half of them are good, that'll be a win. Are you ready for the new Tomb Raider movie? It looks dope as hell. Yeah, Yeah, like I... I kind of want. Wait, is there yeah. actually a Tomb Raider movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. With uh, with uh, Alicia Vikander. We talked yep. about it on the oh, show. Oh shit! Oh, uh, on the show? Not yeah. on the show. Did we? we? Did it? No, it was on VGP. I think. Oh, you're right. It was. Yeah, it was yeah. on Video Game Pals. Yeah. I really like Alicia uh, Vikander. <laughs> that was some weird. I didn't. Did we talk? About, did we? Well, yeah, we did. So, for me, I think. I think it, it's it's been a it's been a solid year, especially with Thor coming out. I think Hela being the main villain, being a serious threat, uh, in a way that you know, I mean, in a way we've not seen for Thor, and Thor is probably the most powerful character that's been shown in Marvel so far, as far as the heroes are concerned, and for her to be a, a real threat to him, I think is a, is a big deal, and it says something. Without uh, spoilers, was she great, Kale? Yes. Yes. Uh, there was less of her than you expect. Uh, but, yeah, she is really great. Um, without spoilers, I think she does kind of... She does kind of fall along the lines of Marvel villains, like Marvel movie villains. Uh, but she's really good. Uh, they do, they do kind of flesh her out, but they flesh her out kind of in the same way they do with Loki. Uh, yeah. And we'll have to talk more about that later, but, um, I, uh, yeah, she, she's very good. So, and, and we're also getting two appearances by Wonder Woman in the same year. And it seems like the new course for the DCFU is Wonder Woman centric, I think. Uh, good, good. <laughs> and, it, and it seems like she's a big part of Justice League as she should be it seems like they really want to make her a centerpiece figure for their universe which is great because for so long I mean we talked about it on this show uh, where it seemed like Harley Quinn was really the third and now that tide is changing um, and speaking of Harley Quinn I think that as much as we've, you know, we've ragged on Suicide Squad and, and we've ragged on that character, I think that Harley Quinn and her popularity has done a lot of good for uh, female characters on screen, especially when you look at her uh, presentation and her representation in the animated world, um, the cartoons, the films, the stuff that they've done there, I think has really brought in a lot of people, a lot of women to these um, properties that might not be interested in them otherwise. And that's hugely important because without them being interested, maybe we don't get Wonder Woman being treated the way it was treated. You know, maybe maybe that doesn't happen. Uh, so I do think Harley Quinn deserves some level of recognition for that. Without Harley Quinn, you know... We would all just be daddy's little monster. <laughs> yep. I'm really glad you cut him off, Kale. Beat you to it, you son of a bitch. Thank uh, God. I was going to say, we wouldn't have the Daddy's Little Monster demographic coming to these movies. <laughs> uh, you know, man. Pete, are you damaged? Yes, I am. No, you know, it's like, I, I, uh, I, I wish I didn't have such a negative 
feeling about Harley Quinn because I was such a fan of the character before they decided to like really push her as like this sex symbol for DC. Um, so the failure of Suicide Squad and the success of Wonder Woman has me really hopeful that like future uh, presentations of the character will hopefully fall a little bit more in line with some of the better stuff that's come out of comic book versions of Harley over the years where she's a little bit more, I don't know. There's a little more depth to her, you know? And, and, and not to, I, I hesitate to, to bring this conversation this way <clears throat> because we're four dudes you know, talking about a comic book character and we're going to get into some real stereotypical territory here, but like, it feels like Wonder Woman is like a better option for like a sex symbol because like, you know, there's, yeah, there's like, there's like, there's more agency there. You know, she, she, everything she does is with consent and it's not, you know, the relationship she has with Steve and, and even, you know, what we're led to believe, uh, you know, is other women on, uh, um, Themyscira. Thank you. Themyscira. Um, I keep thinking Asgard. (laughs) Um, uh, it's all consensual. None of it's, you know, based on abuse. Um, it's it's it's, she's she's more of a positive role model which i i think is you know obvious for wonder woman and and it's like i I almost feel like that's unfair because like i think like part of what's good about harley is that like there are good stories to tell about someone who comes from an abusive relationship or anything like that and i know that those can veer into stereotypes but like those are real things that happen to real people and there is a reason that some people are going to identify with that character. So I don't think that like, that's the problem for me so much as it is the fact that like, I feel like they want to have their cake and eat it too. Like they want to present her as someone who's like free from that and, and overcome it, but are also playing into it because that's what the character's known for. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I, I think you're right in that those stories are there. I, I don't think they're told. I don't think they're told. By, especially by DC. Not, at least not here. Like, you know, and I think like that's the problem for me is like, I don't, I don't have a problem with Harley Quinn. I have a problem with how much they're pushing her and like the way in which there are so many people who are like, I identify with her. And it's just kind of like that. I mean, like if you do, that's great. I don't mean this to come off as like critical. It's that like, I agree with what you're saying, Kale, right? Is that I do think that like, in the same way that I wish that um, Superman was the poster boy for DC instead of Batman, I wish that Wonder Woman was instead of Harley. And I feel like to Sean's point, we're kind of seeing that shift, mm. right? That like yeah, Wonder Woman agree. is that marquee title now because she had this movie. And like we talked about in our Wonder Woman special months ago that like the problem seemed to be that there wasn't the easily jump onable def- like definitive take on the character like there is now with this movie that everybody saw hmm. you know so looking looking back uh on you know basically everything that came before uh this year before suicide squad i would say um what do you guys think about the presentation of these characters especially in the marvel cinematic universe and 
I mean, DC didn't really have much of a showing prior to uh, Man of Steel, but even including their films, like the Batman films, everything that they've done, how do you think these characters have been treated? Would you say that the women in these movies have been second-class citizens? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah, I, I would say the only character that you could maybe make the case for that isn't that is uh, Black Widow. I think but, Black Widow exemplifies that it's a she's a, the the women are second class citizens in the in the comic films. Carry on. Uh, I think well, I think the the best case uh, for Phil's point would be Age of Ultron. Um, oh my god! <clears throat> yeah, that movie's so bad. It's uh, yeah, one the movie's awful. Uh, but she really just gets tossed, like she, you know, is supposed to be this highly trained super spy assassin. And she gets kidnapped by Ultron. She's put in a, you know, a rescue the princess scenario, you know, through the whole movie. She's got this sudden romance with Bruce Banner that just like came out of nowhere there's the the whole mother complex uh it's just yeah she which again is a thing that like feels like it came out of nowhere not to mention like she's definitely like on the bottom of the avengers totem pole totem pole uh those two movies are directed by joss whedon who's an extremely problematic figure to say the least we've talked about this a lot as as we've yeah as we've come to find out problematic figure for for the, the feminist movement and uh, otherwise, what other woman was in the Avengers-related films? Scarlet Witch. I mean, if Scarlet Witch, you have uh, uh, Maria Hale, a character. Colby, yeah, Colby uh, uh, Simmons. Uh, yeah, Smolders. Yeah, Mar- Maria Hill. Yeah, no, I was adding her name because she's a person and not a character. Oh, well, we just said Scarlet Witch, so well, I, I hadn't too. gotten there. <laughs> I was busy trying to remember Maria Hill's name. There, obviously, Age of Ultron was a, an ensemble film, but that's where Scarlet Witch was introduced, and just you know, bare, the bare bones of a character yeah. in that film. And I really like Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, but um, but Quicksilver had more of a, a character than she did, and like there wasn't much there either. No. So in my mind, maybe even Guardians of the Galaxy is a little problematic because Gamora is kind of reduces a, you know, a love interest for Peter Quill. And obviously he's an assassin. Thanos' daughter is more of a character, but um, again... And I, th- it, I think that's even even more even more so in Guardians 2. Let's, let's let Pete get a word in edgewise here real quick. So when I no. brought up Black Widow, what I was going to try and bring up was the one portrayal of her that I thought was good, which was in um, Winter Soldier. Which is yeah. where yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a really good portrayal of her. And yeah, she's a, a sidekick character to Captain America in that movie. But hey, she feels like a lot more relevant in that story than she does in any other appearance. And I think that's the only portrayal of a female in the Marvel Universe that I think is um, presented in a way that feels marquee. And I think her, I think her um, appearance in Avengers is also fine. I don't, I didn't think there was a problem with that. And to argue that she's at the bottom of the Avengers totem pole when Hawkeye is a member is hilarious. <laughs> well, but I mean, yeah, she she is definitely down there, though. Yeah, because they're the two human beings that aren't superheroes. Well, I I wanted to start started the conversation with uh, Age of Ultron because. Uh, 
Black Widow has had so many uh, variations throughout all of these movies that like she's kind of a mixed bag um, as far as like characters go and especially like female characters because her first appearance in Iron Man 2 yeah uh, she you know she does the the naughty secretary thing and then she you know and then you find turns, out she's a secret agent <laughs> and then she's yeah femme fatale um, yeah I, I, I really liked her appearance uh, or her uh, you know her her part in Winter Soldier because it really I felt like it really showed that she and, and Steve have a real relationship that's based on friendship that has substance there. Yeah, and is reinforced in Civil War as well. And yeah, her her time in Civil War, I think, informs that. I think it, I think Civil War put her in a really interesting situation because it really, especially when you contrast it with Winter Soldier, uh, it really shows that she has to play by a different moral code you know because of the nature of her character's history i think yeah i think yeah i think i think that makes sense i would argue that black widow is one of the most fleshed out and fully developed avengers that we have seen so far uh i think that i think i think that in comparison to the big 3 which would be cap thor and Iron Man, um, Thor, you can throw out the window. And, I mean, Iron Man and Cap, yeah, but they've had three movies. She's had no movies, and I would argue that the development that she has received in the movies that she's been in has been great. Hulk is, you could throw him out. Uh, most of these characters don't, they're not terribly fully realized. But I think Black Widow, we've seen her go through a lot of things. We've seen her depth. We've seen sort of her background, what she's been through to get where she is today. Um, some of that stuff maybe uh, people have issues with, but it's there and it, it's a part of who she is. Uh, we've seen her play both sides of, of these issues. Uh, I think that the Captain America films did great by her. Uh, and she's as fleshed out as one can be in a film like this without having your own film. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I think like as much as people want to jump and be like, oh, I think like, you know, and like both of you guys immediately were like, oh, I think she's exemplary of this problem. But it's like there's one movie where we all agree that she's wholly portrayed poorly. And then in almost every other situation, it's either fine or there's meaningful character development. And like it's not perfect. But I think, again, in a pre Wonder Woman world, it was the best thing we had. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Gamora was brought up, and I'd like to hit on her a little bit. So we've seen her twice now. Uh, what do you guys think about you? You kind of said it a little bit before, but uh, then we diverted. So can we talk about Gamora and how you guys feel about that character? I actually think that the I think the criticisms of her as just a love interest are pretty overblown. I think we feel that way because Peter Quill's our POV character. And she's his love interest. So, like, I think it's... I, I honestly think characterizing her as a love interest is more a problem of, like, the viewer? Because, like, she has the most meaningful connection to Thanos out of any of them, save for maybe Drax. And, like, 
in the second movie, one of the major story beats, like the whole thing is about family and a big part of it is her relationship to her sister and their father. And that has nothing to do with Peter. And like, yeah, their romance is uh, an underlying thing that isn't always handled well. I'll agree with that. To say that that's like the defining trait of her character, I think is like disingenuous. She has more character development than most of the characters in the movie. Especially if you compare the character of Gamora to, say, Mary Jane from the original Spider-Man trilogy. She has no character arc that doesn't involve Peter Parker. Everything she does involves him for three whole movies where I was whereas I would I would argue that um, to me there's nothing wrong with characters engaging in relationships I don't think that that has to devalue either character and for me at least watching uh, Guardians 2 I didn't feel like Gamora was less than because she was in a relationship with Peter or because that was blossoming in fact I, I would argue that it's, it's actually kind of limiting to say that if a character who is a woman engages in a relationship with a man, that she's devalued because so she, she's not allowed to have that element to her character. Is that? That's not the problem, though, with that sort of thing. It's that it happens so often in film, in particularly blockbuster films, where a. And that's the whole point of like the Betkel test is that oftentimes in these films women are are used as a romantic foil for the protagonist, for the POV character. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that idea. The problem is that it happens so often. Sure, but we're talking about Guardians here, and I don't think that what you're saying applies to her portrayal. Yeah, I think, like, I think that is an example in my mind of people who are like, we're oversensitive about the is- this issue because it's a real issue. And I think we go looking for it in places where it maybe doesn't exist sometimes. Like, yeah, could, could you make arguments about how Gamora's portrayal could have been better? Yes. I, I don't think that's up for debate. But in the same breath, I like, especially in Guardians 2, she does pass the Bechdel test. And I'm pretty sure she talks to her sister about the whole Thanos dynamic in the first movie too. And like, yeah, like... Guardians 3 will be set up in a better place because there's another full-time female member of the group. And I think that is maybe the bigger Two issue. Two other ones. Who's the other one? Mantis. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, Mantis and uh, and and Nebula. I forgot that Nebula uh, joined the team Nebula as well. Joined. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right, like, that's that's the thing is I think the issues with that movie are more with the fact that Gamora is the only main female character than the fact that, like, she's only a love interest. I really don't think that's fair. Which is also the problem with the Avengers until, I guess, Scarlet Witch comes in, I guess, is that before that it was just Black Widow. Yeah, and and I think that it's easy for you to look for problems when there's that, like, feeling of tokenism a little bit of, like, well, she's the woman in the group, and it's like, okay, but is there more to her beyond that? And I, I think in the case of both of those characters, there is, though. It's It, it just becomes problematic when you're the only woman in the group and you fall in the same tendencies that a lot of the only woman character of an ensemble cast fall into, which is like, you're the love interest for perhaps the POV character or for the nerdy character. And you have perhaps the least amount of dimension. And like you said, over time, especially with, you know, uh, black widow, she's developed like, especially in winter soldier and stuff. It's just, 
it's it's people take umbrage with the tired old tropes of being the only woman in an ensemble cast. And I think that's fair, but I think one of the things that's interesting to me, right, is like you look at specifically Natalia, right? Specifically Black Widow. Like we as an audience projected her as a love interest in both Avengers and Cap, and she was neither. You know, like she was just friends with both Hawkeye and Cap. And like, yeah, maybe there's sexual tension because like they're fucking all hot people running around in costumes doing this sexy shit. Like superheroes are sexy. All right. Like if you're going to lie and say that you wouldn't develop romantic entanglement oh with somebody else, like it's, I don't know. I'm just saying, right? Like this is, this is but, what Pete's personality squeezes in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's anything like, I, I feel like there's so much projection of things that we perceive as being bad that are not written that way. Like she's not involved with cap into right and they have a friendship that is based on you know mutual respect and the fact that they've worked together and like we see her have developed relationships over several movies that are non-romantic i would also i would also argue that um black widow uses her her sexuality and very much in canon with the comics to her advantage it's a, it's it's power for her it, it we see it in uh we see it in avengers part one sure. um and I, I or Iron I, Man two yeah, <laughs> first appearance Iron Man two and when I was watching Captain America I thought that that was in play Captain America Part two uh, Winter Soldier I thought that that was in play because I th- th- there was the question of is is she really on Captain America's side or is she with the government you know uh, is she really trying to help him out or is she leading him into some some something bad uh, and again. I think that she's a character who has a lot of dimensions and a lot of sides to her, whereas you could even argue that Iron Man is is kind of one note, especially at this point. Um, but we, we've talked a lot about about Black Widow. Uh, we've talked a lot about Gamora. Are there any other characters that you want to highlight as particularly good from any of these movies that have come out? We're only talking about movies, right? Yeah. Maybe the little girl from Kick-Ass? Oh, yeah. I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz as uh, Hit Girl. Yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz as Hit Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hit Girl's fantastic. She's a great character. Um, I, I'm i a big fan of Kick-Ass, and I think, um, I mean, they're a ton of fun, right? And I think it's obviously, I think the whole sexualization kind of gets sidestepped because she's a child, um, well, which is great. You hope it but, does. Uh, you yeah. You'd hope, I guess. Well, yeah. I, Mark Millar's not a pervert in my mind, so... Um, at least not in that way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, she's definitely the standout breakout character of that movie, right? Like, like the, that whole scene of her, like, breaking into that apartment and massacring a bunch of drug dealers while fucking K-pop punk song plays is just, like, that's the most memorable sequence of any of those, you know, of that franchise. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh Unfortunately, though, for me, uh, that's kind of where it ends, right? I thought, I thought Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. I understand a lot of people don't, or they're not particular fans of that movie. I enjoyed her. Um, yeah, and okay. was good. She's all right. Yeah, it was just underdeveloped. Uh, but that that's kind of where it ends. Michelle right? Pfeiffer is Catwoman, though. Oh, also great. Also great. Also great. Um, but again, is a thing where it's for like a lot you of know, reasons. She's serving the narrative of like. 
she's a Batman foil, right? Like, but that's the point because it's a Batman movie. She's and not yeah. supposed to be anything and more than that. And she's a villain too. So, like, right? I th- I think it. I think it's way more acceptable in that context, especially when you consider who the character is. Um, there are some instances of egregiously bad Hollywoodizing of some of these characters that I really feel we have to point out. Catwoman. And the first Catwoman? Yeah, Halle Berry. (laughs) That's not where I was going to go. Oh, God. Catwoman is two for three. Catwoman is two for three right now. How do you beat Michelle Pfeiffer, though? Oh, you got to try. With a whip. (laughs) Now Kale's personality comes out here. (laughs) (laughs) Look, the, the one character that sticks out of my mind more than any others as being used really badly and that I actually think is damaging is Storm. In the comics, Storm is an um, incredible character. I grew up loving Storm because of the show. The X-Men animated series made me fall in love with Storm. And when I got into comics, one of the characters that I immediately sort of gravitated towards because of that familiarity going into an unfamiliar world of comics uh, was Storm. Because I knew that Storm was cool. I knew that she kicked ass. I knew that she was a goddess. Like, there were so many cool things about her. And growing up, if you're, if you're younger than me, right? And you didn't have those experiences and your experience with Storm is the movies and, and you're a minority and you're a girl, I feel really bad for you because the, the Storm of the movies is awful. There's nothing to gravitate towards about that character both times. In the original timeline and now. They're both awful. They don't present the strength of that character in any way. And I would say that that's actually true, now that I think about it, for every single woman in all of the X-Men movies. The only character I could think you might say no to is Moira McTaggart, and she's not even a superhero. And And even then... Uh, okay, Sean, let me ask you a serious question. Um, how, and this, I mean, admittedly might be a dumb question, but how did you feel about, uh, uh, Jean Grey in the X-Men films? The the first three. Awful. Well, the first two. I, 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 look, I love Jean Grey, but in those movies, she doesn't have any of the the character strengths that make me like her. Uh, in the first movie and the second one, she's in the love triangle with Wolverine and Cyclops, which I'm not going to say that that's not an interesting dynamic. It is. But it is after you already understand why Jean Grey is someone you would care about on any level. And they don't do that first. They don't do their work the work first. Uh I didn't think I thought it was too early to introduce that in the first movie. Uh, I thought it was still too early in the second movie, quite frankly, based on how they handled her. Um, and there's a problem with the portrayal of Jean Grey sometimes, where because she is so incredibly powerful, you get lost in that. And I think that that's something that those movies did, where it's like she's super fragile, but sometimes she's absolutely overpowering. And that's what they did in the third movie. And I don't think that that's effective. Uh, I think that it, it missed the point. And I still think, even though I thought she was all right in Apocalypse, uh, she was my favorite part of Apocalypse, but I'm biased 
So I, I honestly can't even tell you <laughs> how good it was, uh, just because I really love the character. Uh, but I don't think it was, it wasn't anything close to how I felt about her in the best of what they've done in the comics. I'll say that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, uh, obviously I'm not as storied of a, um, X-Men fan as you are, Sean, but like, I think I've made my love of Kitty Pride known pretty well here. And like, she was a character I remember like being super disappointed by her portrayal because it's literally just, there's not nothing to her. You know, it's like, I think if you look at these movies, we've talked about how the vast majority of them, like, deal with the conflict between Magneto and, uh, and Professor X. And I think that's to the, and then Wolverine and Cyclops to a lesser degree, uh, like you pointed out. And I think that's to the detriment of all the female characters. You know, ev- I, I would agree with you. Like, I had never thought about it until you said it right now, but yeah, you're right. Like, every female character is underserved. You know what's weird is that, like, the 2000s were super problematic and, in representation of females in in Hollywood films, but I think back to like the original Superman film from 1978, and Margot um, Kidder as Lois Lane, while a love interest, was such a flexed, a fleshed out character with so much dimension. Um, like there was so much oomph to that character. I think a lot of that has to do with Lois's like, who Lois is as a character, though. Like, her dynamic with Superman is that, like, he's the quiet, reserved, you know, whatever, like, bo- like you know, little small-town guy, and she is this, like, very larger-than-life character. Well, I think, I think if, that were, if that were true, though, that would carry over. Uh, because Superman Returns is very much not like that. And neither yeah. is Man of Steel. Well, what I was about to say is Man of Steel is kind of problematic because I like Amy Adams a lot. She definitely feels just like a a plot device of a character just to move the plot along. Especially in BVS. Yeah, uh, and Superman cool. Returns, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it does carry over another... I mean, this was true in the old 50s show. Um, Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Coates' interpretation, extremely strong female lead. Uh, Superman the animated series, you know, that Lois is spectacular. Um, this is, you know, it's just a failure of grasping uh, something that's kind of simple, which is she's a fucking grade A journalist. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the reality of it is, right, like, the the good portrayal of Lois is, like, not complicated in my mind. It's that she's a strong, competent, independent woman who is, like, an exceptional journalist who's really good at her job and married to it in a way and, like, falls for a, you know, simple, sweet guy, small-town guy. And, like, I think the fact that her personality is, like, in good portrayals is usually bigger than his makes it off, makes it easy for her to not be in the shadow. Yeah. Yeah, that make, that that makes a lot of sense. I think that that's a good point. And I think like that's what's supposed to work about Mary Jane. It just didn't in the Sam Raimi movies because that was just not a classic Spider-Man interpretation. You know, it was a good one and it hits a lot of the important notes about Spider-Man, but I think it misses a lot of the like finer points of like how the characters are supposed to be portrayed. It does and it doesn't. In a lot of ways it really does feel like the Steve Ditko era comics, but in a lot of ways, it feels like it misses the point. Be be that as it may about Spider-Man, when you're talking about Mary Jane, yeah, yeah. she is typically portrayed one way, and 
the movies, that's the only place I've ever seen her be a meek kind of second fiddle character. None of when, the- uh, when 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 Pete brought up the uh, the the Tobey Maguire the Sam Raimi movies, I was going to say yeah, he does. She, Mary Jane doesn't. Uh, she's not much of a character in the uh, Andrew Garfield movies either. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> what about Gwen Stacy? Uh, Gwen Stacy. So I I feel like in the Andrew Garfield movies they did a better job. Uh, because she is a brilliant scientist. She gets this great opportunity to go to an amazing school. Uh, all that stuff I thought was 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 good. The whole uh, thing with her dad. Yeah, the whole thing with her dad. All that was, was really good, I thought. Like, there's shit going on in her life that isn't, I'm romantically interested in Peter Parker or Harry Osborn. And she doesn't need Peter to solve her problems. She deals with her stuff. Obviously, and, and frankly, his stuff. Like, yeah, sure. And and when they break up and everything, she still has a life, you know. Like, she's still a person. Um, but uh, let's talk about the future of uh, women in these films because we've got a lot to look forward to. Justice League is is still on its way out, and we've talked about Wonder Woman and the success of that character and how it looks like that's going to inform a lot of what they're doing going forward. But we've got Captain Marvel. And I think that's huge. I think that's a massive uh, film that's on the way that's really going to sort of change the game. It's funny, man. I don't I don't think it can change the game because, like, I think Wonder Woman did change the game. Like, maybe that'll be the... Like, in a perfect world, I can see that being the Spider-Man of female superhero movies, right? Where, like, Wonder Woman is the OG Superman, where it's, like, set the... It, it set the bar, I think. And if if Captain Marvel can come back and hit those same notes and, and elevate it in some ways, that would be great. It didn't so, just set the bar. It, it is, is the, bar. the bar. So the reason why I say that it could change the game, it's a wrestling thing. Don't worry about it. I, I know. Um, I, that's why... <laughs> That's why I just rolled my eyes at Kale. I was like, if you don't understand the thing that Sean and Phil say in unison, it's a wrestling joke. Move on. <laughs> the reason why I feel that Captain Marvel could change the game is because Captain Marvel is taking place within the Marvel continuity. Mm. In the sense that mm-hmm. Wonder Woman had to segregate itself. It takes place a hundred years before now. There's no whiff of Superman. Batman's grandparents aren't even alive like it's so far removed that that's always what people bring up is like well wonder woman was great it's sort of like what you guys were saying about uh logan wonder woman was great because it was out of it was away from all of that stuff and they got to be separate and everything else captain marvel has the opportunity to be great within all that because nick fury is present and all the stuff that we have seen is 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 right there. Like it's it's very adjacent to that. And what the things that happen in this movie are going to directly impact the future of the Marvel films. And I think that that placing her in that position, making her such a big deal going into Avengers Four, I think that 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 elevates everything that they're trying to do and everything that can be done with these kind of with these women characters that are super heroic. I don't know if I agree, um, because 
I, I I think as far as as far as the argument about uh about about Wonder Woman being removed and Captain Marvel not like wouldn't wouldn't it being set in the nineties before all that? It's set and, in the nineties. Bef- sorry, go ahead. Well, and even even with the addition of Nick Fury, this is pre Avengers Nick Fury. He'll probably he'll probably have two eyes. So I don't. It's it's pre Avengers Nick Fury, but the things that happen here affect and will be reflected in future films. Whereas with Wonder Woman, that movie that could easily be that could easily have no relationship to anything that we've ever seen regarding Wonder Woman's portrayal in BBS. And will have nothing to do with anything that comes after, with the exception of Wonder Woman two. So there's no there's no through line. Well, in Justice League, right? What do you mean? Like like oh, you mean of specifically that movie? Never mind. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, my bad. Okay. <laughs> so so it, it feels like with with Captain Marvel, they're they're betting on people caring about this character and going to see this so much that they're allowing the stuff that happens in this film to echo in later films. Whereas with Wonder Woman, it almost feels like, okay, let's just take her out of the game. Let's throw her like in, you know, deep in the past, a hundred years ago. That way, if no one goes to see it, what happens here doesn't matter. It's all good. I'm not saying that that was what they went into it thinking, but it comes across that way to me as a lack of confidence in what they had to do with this movie because it has nothing to do with anything else. I don't know that I feel differently about this because it's set in the nineties. Like that to me doesn't like, to me, that means that like whatever's happened in this movie, like it could fill in backstory. Right. But like, it can't like when we have 20 some odd movies that are going to be out before it, that take place later in the timeline, obviously the implications are either so massive and we just don't know them that it'll be like a Rogue One kind of moment, or it'll be, I think, maybe something a little bit more minuscule than we think that'll become relevant because there's going to be movies that follow it, right? Like, I'm, I'm imagining that they're going to lay the plot threads for the Skrulls to, like, return or something, you know? Well, look at Captain America Part 1. That, that movie took place in World War Two. It had huge implications for the future of the Marvel Universe because it introduced the Cosmic Cube. I'm looking at Captain Marvel as being positioned that way. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. Alright. So, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think that the future is very bright for um, female characters in these movies, and I'm really hopeful that we get even more. I'm looking for Miss Marvel, um, Kamala Khan. I really hope we get that. We've got a Batgirl movie on the way um, that I am, I am super excited for that. Um, gosh, we, we've got, well, I don't know how excited people are for this, but we've got Joker and Harley Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, but do you guys feel hopeful? We can end it on this note. Do you guys feel hopeful for where these characters are going and the future of women in these movies? I'm cautiously optimistic. I think Wonder Woman, like I said, I believe Wonder Woman is a step in the right direction. And I think until I see more films like Wonder Woman, I will be, I'm apprehensive to say that, that I'm hopeful for the future because 
as James Cameron uh, likes to continually point out, it's not like we've never had examples of strong female characters in cinema before. Whether or not this is indicative of a trend remains to be seen. And I think the money that came from Wonder Woman is going to signal these studios that, oh, hey, there's a lot of money left on the table because there's all of these female characters that we can explore. But in the same breath... That doesn't mean that all of those are going to be good, positive portrayals of those female characters. They could very easily be Cashins attempting to chase Wonder Woman's success without understanding why Wonder Woman succeeded. And I think until I see the news that, you know, we have teams of competent female directors or writers or whatever backing these movies and making them come together, I don't know that I'm confident in the future but i'm hopeful hollywood is a wasteland of harvey weinsteins that are just full of predators it's i'm i mean i think the only reason that we are seeing a positive trend is that these you know crummy producers see dollar signs because one woman was so successful um so, I mean, like Pete, it's just like a cautious optimism, hope for the best kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I worry that in, in, in the same vein of what Phil and Pete said about the, you know, the directors just trying to cash in, uh, I worry that directors and producers and, and companies will take the wrong thing, will take the wrong idea, similar to Deadpool uh, and, like, Suicide Squad, you know, about being hyper violent and sweary and and even like you know like logan like that was it was a dope ass movie but like we still haven't quite seen what's going to come out of that you know so i i i worry about what they're gonna see from wonder woman that will push it oh wonder woman's a strong tough bisexual uh, well, does that mean she's gonna fuck everything that moves? Like, what? Uh. Yeah, I, I I, wish, I guess I wish that um, you guys were more hopeful. Uh, maybe I'm naive. I'm feeling really great about where, the, where these films are going. Uh, because, you know, we've also got Jessica Jones. We've also got Lucy Liu directing Luke Cage. Um the, the creators and the people that are behind Captain Marvel, one of the directors is a woman. Uh, a woman wrote the, sc- the latest screenplay for that film. Uh, to me, there's just so much to look forward to and so much to be hopeful about. And I would like to be right. I think that history would would say that you guys are, are very right to be cautious. We, and, yeah, we, uh, we would definitely like for you to be right. Sure, of course. Of course. Right, yeah. I don't I, – I guess, I guess my concern is I don't want to – have the victory lap when I feel like there's still so much work to be done. You know, there is. I think, I think, I think when you're looking at these movies, one of the things that I think about is the fact that the, 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 the women characters, and when, especially when they get their solo movies, they have as much of an opportunity to be bad as any of these other films. And I don't think that them not being good should reflect on the character or the woman who made it or the woman who is the star or the character or, or anything like that because we wouldn't say the same about superman you know we wouldn't say the same about batman so 
I think the characters deserve every opportunity to succeed and to fail the same way that the men have every opportunity because that's where the equality lies. Because Hollywood's going to screw them up. They're going to Captain Marvel's not guaranteed to be good, just like Batgirl's not, just like Wonder Woman wasn't. But we need to get the chance time after time after time after time. If Spider-Man can have 70,000 movies, Wonder Woman should have 71,000 movies, you know? I I agree uh, but and I think I think this uh conversation can kind of be uh encapsulated or at least this part of the conversation can be encapsulated by uh, a tweet by uh Colin Mockery uh of whose line is it anyway fame uh he tweeted this right after Wonder Woman he was uh, he said something to the effect of um I'm I'm not exactly sure why uh a, a, a female director being so amazing uh oh, I, i'm so sorry i'm butchering this <laughs> uh <laughs> why why uh we don't why why we're having such a hard time believing a woman can direct a film after so many uh superhero movies uh it's amazing that a man can uh we'll leave it there we'll leave it there uh, who, who tweeted that out again? Colin Mockery. Whose line is it anyway? I used to like He's the bald one. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, so definitely let us know your thoughts about this su- subject. Obviously, it's a touchy subject, um, and uh, you know we're very aware of that. But at the end of the day, there's no reason to shy away from it. Um, we don't shy away from anything on the Comics Pals, and uh, we're not going to start with this and we think that the women need the spotlight uh on film in comics everywhere all across the world and i'm grateful for wonder woman and excited for the future uh so share your thoughts with us on the subject you can hit us up on itunes or any other podcast hosting platform if you can leave a comment there feel free to do so and while you're there leave us a like or a thumbs up or whatever it is on that uh, podcast hosting platform we're also on social media at the comics pals check us out there leave us a comment um you can write to us the comics pals at gmail.com let us know your favorite portrayal of a female character in any of these movies whether that be harley quinn wonder woman or electra from the electra oh film. no hey think about the world <laughs> we'd be living in right now if electra was the best movie ever could have been. Could have been. Uh, and last but not least, we are on YouTube where we've got a ton, ton, ton of stuff for you guys to check out. I mentioned the New York Comic Con interviews at the top. Those are hugely important to us, and uh, we're very proud of what we did there. So check that out. Um, the Pals Plays, those are awesome. Coming along really great. Uh, Pete and Thompson are all over those. And check out the Video Game Pals which is a show that we record that is the sister show to the Comics Pals. It comes out the day after the Comics Pals every week. And uh, I'm on it, so you know it's good. Um, And with that, we're going to do some plugs. Pete. Cool. Thank you guys so much again for joining us here in episode 53 of the Comics Pals. Um, 
like Sean said, you can check me out on Pals Play and uh, Video Game Pals as well. We also have our uh, another new weekly show called the Riverdale Review, where we're uh, reviewing every episode of Riverdale, um, basically the Wednesday after it airs, which we're trying to figure out maybe a better posting schedule for that. So you can let us know when you'd like to see it go up. But uh, that's a great show. We've been having a ton of fun with it. Kale will be back um, for this episode as well this week. So you should definitely go check that out. Finally. And, um, and then if you want to get some more from me, you can check out my writing over at CBR.com. I've got three articles that are still making me money right now. So go read my most recent three articles and uh, help me pay the rent. And then if you want to connect with me on social media, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, come talk to me about your favorite female superheroes. Awesome. Kale? You can find my comics on Comixology under Panels Comics. Uh, I have a book on there called From the Deep uh i believe panels has also started uh an etsy where we will uh uh we will mail a uh a physical copy of of the books to you um so you might check that out uh i believe the panels crew is also at london mcm so godspeed uh all you panels people and uh, please buy our things. You can find me uh, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Toto and Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Phil. <clears throat> well, as always, if you don't like my opinions, you can tweet them at Woe is Marco. Uh, that's where <laughs> I... Res- <laughs> that's, that's where I receive all of my complaints. So if you're upset in any way... Just tweet at Woe is Marco and Woe is Marco underscore, and uh, I'll be sure to read them there. However, if you like, if you like my opinions, if you like me, you can always tweet at Cyborg Bebop, and that's where I'll see your comments if they're positive. Awesome. As for me, I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only. If you if you value my feelings, let's talk about Jean Grey and how awesome a character she is. Uh, but not the film version. So you don't you don't plan on getting anybody talking to you then? That's gonna do it for us here at the Comics Pals. <laughs> Kale, I'm not happy to have you back. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. See you next week. Happy Halloween. I'm going back to bed. <laughs>